So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, man fans. Ollie Mann here with The Modern Man. Hope you're very well. The sun is out. Spring is here. Hooray. Uh, I am wearing my blue jumper and slacks today. And although the first thing that Ollie Peart said to me when he saw me earlier was, are you off to play golf? I didn't let that get to me. Uh, We have still managed to put together, in my view, a cracking episode of the show for your delectation and delight. Uh, As you know, our main ambition here is to try and be a magazine show in audio form. So our main interview this week is what a print mag would call a human interest story. It's a lady who's had an unconventional and disarming relationship simply telling her story to me. I think it's really compelling. I met her socially last year and she just kind of casually mentioned the central ingredients of this particular year of her life that we talk about. And I was like, what? (laughs) Can you... Would you mind telling me that in front of a microphone, please? I think it's an amazing story. And the issues that it touches upon are probably not as uncommon as we'd all like to think. It might make some of you think twice about the person you're currently dating. Uh, Elsewhere on the show today, you will learn which mega-selling rapper I secretly adore. You'll learn why you shouldn't always rely on your mother's intuition. And you'll learn why there isn't a mainstream cock ring that both constricts and vibrates. I told you, magazine show. Let's go. On this week's Modern Man. He told me that the only means of communication would be via email, so why would I question it? How it feels when your loving, trusting relationship isn't everything it seems. It's a hands-free vibrator, but later models also came with an app. And plug in, baby. Alex Fox on the sex toy you can hack. But first, it's the moment where a man with a beard says, these are the big trends of the week, and then I say, oh, they're not really, they're a bit shit, aren't they? It's Ollie Pitt with the Zeitgeist. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Ollie, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. What are the big trends of the week? <gasps> the universe. Well, more specifically, it's movie universes. Right. The Matrix, you know it. I'm excited that The Matrix might be back. It might be coming back, yeah. As soon as that started trending on Twitter, I was clicking all the links and, and finding out about it, because The Matrix was, when I was 15 the best film I'd ever seen. I realised retrospectively that's because it's aimed at 15-year-olds. Yeah, it was an incredible film. I remember the first time I saw it and I was just completely blown away. It's like the first time I'd imagined philosophical ideas but also in the same film got to see a guy in a trench coat shoot people. Coolest thing about The Matrix? The Nokia 3210. What the... No, bullet time. Oh, my God. Oh, well, the phone and that. But it's it's going to be slightly different because it doesn't sound like they're going to bring back the original... So the Wachowskis... How do you say it? The Wachowskis. That's what I said. Mm. Uh, so they might be not bringing them back or Keanu Reeves. So my point is they are going to take the Matrix universe and they're going to create, a, it sounds like, a, create a completely new story, a complete new set of characters, new cast, new everything. Hollywood has exhausted the sequels. It's exhausted the reboots. This is something completely different. If you look at the Matrix, all the rules are there. You mm. know how it works. It's got its own physics and its own reality and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And within that now, mm. you can remove all the original characters and you can create new, unique 
totally different stories, but within the rules of the Matrix. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so you get all these sort of comic book franchise things mm. and they all exist in the same world and that's what they do now instead of sequels isn't it they just create another story that's a bit like the one you read before another example get rid of harry potter come up with a new new bloke called like jeff who yeah. is also like a wizard well that's what he... they've done isn't it with fantastic beasts and and where to cgi them yeah. and what and that's based in hogwarts no it's not it's using the harry potter world but it's got nothing to do with harry potter essentially oh. so that's a also a what did you call it what was the phrase you used uh what universes universe same, that's same a universe. Universe. Yeah, exactly, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Same thing happened with Star Wars, same thing happened with Marvel, DC, all that lot. So, you know, you want trends, that's a trend. Yes, I think you're probably right. Yes. (laughs) What else have you got for us this week? Oxenfree. What's that? Oxenfree is a game. The people who are familiar with it will know that it's been out for just over a year. But it's only been available on console and on PC, but now it's available on iOS. Basically, it's a story game. So you're a group of teenagers. Well, you're not a group of teenagers. You're one of the teenagers, a girl called Alex. And you go along to this little island called Edward Island or something. And the what you're going there for is you're just going to have a bonfire on the beach and drink some beers and have a laugh. That was the uh, pilot episode of Echo Beach, the uh, ITV soap opera with Jason Donovan, short-lived. It's companion show uh, Moving Wallpaper, sitcom with Ben Miller. That was okay. speak the truth what happens you're on this island and you can control what she says alex says so as the conversations between the teenagers are happening little speech bubbles pop up above her head and you can sort of decide what you're going to say in in response to people anyway the whole sort of story kind of takes a bit of a spooky turn and she goes and visits a cave or you go and visit a cave and then all this weird sort of extra terrestrial spooky weird stuff starts happening and basically there's ghosts on the island who are communicating with you through your friends okay i stopped caring after you said extraterrestrial i actually meant supernatural because it's ghosts yeah well whatever you you, you you're just not interested in that stuff uh, well no it's not I'm not i just you know it's a bit done isn't it i actually quite like the idea of just playing a teenage girl having a nice conversation <laughs> <laughs> i was quite up for that but the thing is, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm not into supernatural, like, all that. Like, I wouldn't sit down and watch a film about that kind of stuff, really. I'm not interested. But there's a butt coming. But mm. I really like it. Mm. I got, I'm totally engrossed in this story. I'm absorbed in, the, in in all the characters. I know what's going on. Visually, is it any good? You're saying it was a text adventure game, basically. Does, what does it look like? Visually, it looks like uh, the Gruffalo animations. So okay. it's really cool. And it's sort of like, uh, it's like a mashup of... Scooby-Doo and Juno. So they're like really indie characters. So it is basically for the kind of people who grew up playing Granny's Garden and then Monkey Island and now want an Apple app that's a bit like that, but also looks a bit like a comic book. I, I think it's that. a really great way of storytelling. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm still enjoying it. And I just think there should be more games like that. Why not? It's great. Uh, there is one problem, though. Mm. It's massive. I've literally had to delete all of the pictures of my dog off my phone. Oh, really? Yeah. In like, file it's, size? It's huge. Okay. It, it's ridiculously big, and it saps your battery. And does it well. try and get you to buy extra things? No. No. Oh, it's three ninety nine anyway. Okay. So, and, and actually, yeah, do you remember when games used to be fifty quid and they'd come on a cartridge? Well, they still are. Aren't oh, yeah, they? exactly. Well, the ones are, the ones on cartridges still are. But I mean, when people complain about apps mm. that try and upsell you fruit so that you can skip a level or whatever, I just kind of feel like saying you don't know you're born, mate. <laughs> it used to cost fifty quid to buy the game in the first place. Like, if it's three ninety nine or free. And then twice you have to pay five pounds to access a level. That's still a bargain. And it's only a matter of time before, we like, through tough times. I, I think podcasts should do it. Why not? You can have like like serials or storytelling. Why not have like that? Like, I'd rather do that than sit down and listen to it. That'd be wicked. Do, Get rid explain? of podcasts. Right. Visualize the podcast. Visualize podcast in game form. 
app game form. Yes. If we did that with the foxhole, it probably would be very popular. Lots of swiping <laughs> and twizzling. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how you would be depicted. Mm, well, like a little gnome. It's not photorealism. And what is your final trend of the week? It's a prediction, Ollie. Oh, wow. Going all Mystic Meg on you. Excellent. The album yeah. is dead. Is this the Ed Sheeran thing? Because doesn't that prove that the album is very much alive? I mean, Ed Sheeran's album tracks have gone into the top 40 singles chart. Ed Sheeran has 16 singles in the top 40 at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And that has completely obliterated the, the chart system. Yeah, but, but they, that means the singles chart is dead. doesn't mean the album's dead. He's got three albums in the top five albums yeah. chart. But that's not actually the story. The story's to do with Drake. Go on. So Drake's released what I would call an album on Saturday, uh-huh. but Apple... I'm actually excited because, believe it or not, I am a Drake fan. Are you? <laughs> yeah. so, right, I know okay. I don't seem the type. Okay. On Saturday, he's released an album, but Apple and Drake have called it a playlist. They are oh. re yes. Yeah. They are rebranding the playlist. And even though even though it costs ten dollars ninety nine, it's twenty two songs, and on Spotify it's still called an album. There's an attempt by Apple to uh basically rebrand the playlist. I'm not down with that. No. But I have to admit that the only reason really that I'm not down with it is because in that kind of weirdy beardy way, I quite like reading lists in Mojo magazine about the fifty best albums and whether or not Automatic for the People is better than Revolver. I mean, really, who gives a shit? I mean, it is just a collection of 10 songs, isn't it? And it was only ever that because it fitted on a physical format four decades ago. It doesn't really matter, does it? Yes, it does. I think a playlist is a little bit different. There are people arguing that he's it's absolutely fine and it doesn't seem like the music industry is that bothered, actually. But out of the 22 songs, he's written most of them. There's a couple of covers in there and there's a couple of other people singing there. So you could argue, well, yeah, you know... Who's Drake covering? Bomb Ballerina? Do you know what? Like, I was just... Culture I, Beat? I cared so little. Ace of Base. I just didn't even bother researching. <laughs> Engelbert Humperdinck. Probably, That's my bet. Probably. How mm. would that go? He's auto-tune, isn't he? He, he uses a lot of auto-tune, as does Kanye, and your big prediction for the year in January was that auto-tune is dead, and you're totally wrong. It, and I go as far to say he doesn't rap, he auto-tunes. That's like all he does. Yeah. And I love it. What? No, it's not good. How can <laughs> I you don't care. That? Well, because it's huge. You've just you've just said the big story of the week is to do with Drake's playlist slash album, and you predicted not three months ago. Well, Autotune's dead. He's annoyed me twice over because if, to me, like a playlist is a playlist. It's like the equivalent of a mixtape, right? So you yeah. can choose loads of different. No, songs. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah, and an album is an artist's own voice, their sort of their story that they tell in those in those songs. And I don't their contractual obligation. Their contractual <laughs> to obligation put some songs together to with some cover up. Some shite. Yeah. Auto-tune. See, I always quite like singles bands, though, is the truth. Like, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, because I do love an album. I do love the classic albums, the ones that have sort of through lines and all the rest of it. But also, you know, I really like Madness. No one listens to a fucking Madness album. It'd be awful. That's Just true. listen to the greatest yeah, hits, don't that's you? That's true. I'm quite happy with bands like that. But great if it pops up on a playlist. Yes. But it's interesting. Like, it's a shift in the music industry. And the Ed Sheeran thing that you, you pointed out is, uh, you know, again, like the whole sort of chart system is just being completely obliterated. 16 songs in the top 40. Don't, don't just stare. Well, uh, so what it's to do with is is the fact that however many streams, is it 100 counts as one by? That Used needs to, to change, doesn't it's 100, it? It's 150. Right. Well, which that, was their change, it's, which is pathetic. It's pathetic. It should be 1,000. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. not th- well, 500. No, I don't no, know. Well, this is the problem, no. isn't it? You could just, well, yeah. Is that our game this week? You've just got to guess how many <laughs> streams it should be to count as a buy. No game. Whoa. Yeah, no game. Talking about saving the bombshell for the end of the item. I came up with a game. Oh, and it was so bad that producer Matt said we can't even do <laughs> I it. I got told we can't what was, play it. What was it going to be? I was just going to name some Ed Sheeran songs and some fake ones and then you had to guess it. <laughs> what were you going to call it? 
I can't remember. Brilliant. <laughs> it's yeah. good, isn't it? No, I mean, it's why it's a group effort, isn't it, this show? Yeah, yeah. It really is a team effort. And if you want to be part of that team, if you want to suggest uh, a trend that Ollie can talk about please in the future help. edition please of help. the show. Please help, please, just anything. Then uh, what do people need to do? Twitter. Yes. At The Modern Man. Yeah. M-A-double-N. That's right, yeah. That's how you spell my name. Put a lot of emphasis on the A. Yeah. Alternatively... Just do something else with your life. Go and do some washing up. Go and listen to a Drake playlist. No. Album. This is the ad. This is usually the bit where we tell you which company has sponsored the show for this week, and we often give you some sort of special deal or website code or something. Not this week. This ad slot hasn't been bought by a company. It's been bought by a person an individual, a listener like you. His name is Al Philp, and he got in touch a few weeks ago to say that his beer money subscription wasn't enough for him. He wanted to sponsor a whole episode of the show because he is, in his words, quite the fan and wants to keep it going. I don't have anything particular to market, he said, but I dig your show and I would be happy to support it. Uh, And to our astonishment, Al did support it via PayPal, sending us a significant enough donation for us to turn away commercial advertisers for this slot this week and give it to him. All he wants in return is a shout-out to his medical team. He says, I'm a trauma surgeon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Despite that, I ride a motorcycle and am pretty proficient with firearms. You'd think I'd know better. I have a great team that works with me, some of whom are also fans of the show and will enjoy hearing themselves being appreciated. Well... Al Philps's medical team, you are deeply appreciated, obviously, although not half as much as we here at The Modern Man appreciate listeners like you, Al. Uh, and I can see from your emails you've had a tricky time personally over the past year, and you've spent many hours enjoying whatever conversation and distraction we've been able to provide. It is so lovely and humbling to have someone reach out across the Atlantic and dip into their pocket as well um, in recognition of what they've got from us. Um, Al finished his correspondence with me by saying, Ollie, if you're ever on the East Coast or Midwest USA, let me know and I can buy you a drink for real. Uh, Al, that really isn't necessary. The beer would be on me, uh, so long as the gun's not there. Uh, If you would like to sponsor a future edition of the show, like Al did, uh, whether you are a business or an individual, just reach out via the feedback form on our website, modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. Thanks. Now, are you in a long-term relationship? If so... How much do you trust the person that you're with? After all, everyone has the odd skeleton in their closet. Most people conceal some detail about themselves when they first start dating. But after a few weeks, a few months, a year, you'd hope most couples would be being mostly honest with each other when they choose to be together. My guest today, who we're calling Elizabeth had a rather different experience. This is her story. It feels like another lifetime that I met him. It must have been about back in 2012, because the the Olympics were on, I remember it for that year. Six months previously, I'd come out of quite a difficult relationship. It wasn't the happiest time of my life, and it had been quite drawn out. He wasn't the kind of man that I'd always gone for before. I'd always seemed to kind of stick to a certain type. And he seemed different. He just seemed like a nice, nice, normal guy, which is ironic now looking back. 
he had come to the place where I worked um, and he was contracted in to do some work. And then I don't know what it was that sparked my interest. I think I was just joking with a friend and I said, oh, he's good looking. And he seemed mysterious because he'd come in from the outside. Nobody really knew anything about him. First of all, it was a little bit of a jokey Thing. And it was like, oh, you know, you fancy him a little bit like at school. It sounds juvenile now. Yeah, office but we, flirtation. Yeah, yeah. Although he, I mean, he was quite separate. He was in a separate room, but we would see each other in the corridor. And then I think we just started talking. My friends at work made a little bit of a joke out of it. And then I suppose I went out of my way a little bit more to, to bump into him. So I wouldn't say that I engineered situations, <laughs> but I certainly maybe in the right corridor at the right time. So there was sort of great excitement. Oh, she likes somebody. So maybe maybe we could make this happen and maybe they would, you know, she can get a happy ending from all of it. But I'm a great believer in that you'd sort of get signals from somebody. And if you get the right signal, then, you know, you, you might think, oh, you know, that might be in with a chance there. Yeah. And so actually you'd kind of done your due diligence here. This wasn't just, you know, you'd been through some tough times with previous relationships mm. and with this one you dive straight in. Mm. This was actually you'd sort of made it clear that you didn't want to go into a relationship that would be problematic and this guy seemed like a safe pair Absolute, of hands and people were verifying yeah. that for you. Absolutely not. All I wanted was to have a straightforward relationship. I didn't feel like I'd ever had that. I always felt like there'd been some kind of complication along the road and I just wanted to be with somebody where you can go out for weekends with them, you can have a nice time, you can watch a film in the evenings. I wasn't looking for, and I'm still not looking for, a Prince Charming. I just wanted a normal relationship where you spend time with each other and how old are you at this point and how old is he I think I must have been 26 or 27 he was 10 years older than me he was living uh, probably about a 40 minute drive away so you went on a few dates presumably and then so we organized the first date and it was just to a restaurant sometime after work and on the morning of that date so we'd been kind of you know having a bit of chat on text messages all very innocent and um, then that morning he sent me a message and he said, oh, don't take this the wrong way, but I think I'll just get a hotel tonight. Then I can have a drink and kind of relax. Did that strike you as odd? I guess the, it was a plausible response. You know, he might want to have a drink at dinner. I was driving, so it hadn't even occurred to me that I would, I'd be drinking. But um, he was going to get a hotel in the town and he was just going to walk there afterwards. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe if he's got an early morning, if he's got an early start here as well, that probably makes sense for him to, to, to do that. Bit of pressure on the first date, though, isn't it? By the way, I've got a hotel down the road. Oh, yeah, there was going to be none of that. I think I made that very clear from the start. In fact, I think I, I, I can't remember now, but I probably said something along the lines of, yeah, I'll... I'll be driving myself and I'll be driving myself home afterwards yes. as well. Okay, fine. So you, so you went on some dates and you did become an item. At this point, you are naturally learning more about each other. Yeah. So what did he tell you about him? Um, I knew that he didn't have family in the country. I knew that there was an ex-wife. And when I asked him at what stage, because I, I suppose part of me still didn't really feel very comfortable with knowing that I was seeing somebody who perhaps who wasn't completely divorced. I mean, I had quite a traditional upbringing and I've got quite strong views about marriage and being with somebody. But when I asked him about that, he told me that, uh, yes, he had been married, but they got married on a beach in a foreign country. The reason that he wasn't divorced at this stage was because they weren't even sure whether the marriage was even legal. So how could he have a divorce if it was never legal in the first instance? He told me that he lived with uh, a friend of his, that he was renting from a friend after his marriage had broken down. Within about a month, he was 
I can't say living with me because it wasn't in official capacity, but I was seeing him like every every evening. So he wasn't, and, and because he was working here as well, I, I suppose that worked out quite well for him because instead of having to perhaps get a hotel room if he was doing an early shift the next day, he would just stay at mine. So for the first maybe two or three months, we were pretty much living in the same house with each other obviously people at work knew both of you so Mm. it wasn't really a sort of private dalliance this everyone knew you as a couple I guess yeah it it played out quite publicly and and he was welcomed in to the friendship group as well people would talk because of me people would then talk to him there was one of the girls at work uh, one of her taps broke so he went round to fix it for her so Mm. everybody seemed to really like him and I think this was part of they just desperately wanted me to be happy because the other thing I should say is that um, I people were fully aware of perhaps the tough time that I'd had in previous relationships and everybody was hoping for this happy time for me. He was very generous. He he bought me a lot of gifts, and they were really quite extravagant gifts that what, he what was giving me. So um, we got together in the January. So pretty soon afterwards, we had uh, Valentine's Day together, and he presented me with two Tiffany boxes uh, <laughs> with earrings in. And I just remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is." I felt like it sounds really cheesy, but I felt like a princess. Um, I'm not materialistic. Maybe I was a little bit more then. I've grown up now. But back then, when somebody hands you gifts, and it was it was constant. There was always, I mean, the joke was that I had this pile of Tiffany boxes piling up in my bedroom. And th- there were other gifts as well, you know, like little bits like clothes. or And it seemed like thoughtful things. You know, he went out and he saw a CD, so he would buy it for me. It seemed thoughtful. Would you have said then that you were in love with him? I think that I was a little bit swept away with everything. I I think at the time, yes, I would say that I was in love with him. I was telling him that I was in love with him and vice versa. And from very early on, we felt like this was something forever. You know, I could see myself marrying him and and he made it quite clear that was the same. We were infatuated, I think. When you say he made it quite clear that was the same, so did you actually, I mean, in that that abstract way people do when they're in a relationship Mm. but they're not quite ready to actually propose to each Mm. other, did you discuss, oh, I'd like one day to get married, have kids, da-da-da? Oh, he he measured my um, ring finger for an engagement ring. He measured that. He asked friends of mine how he should propose. How long have you been going out by that stage? Just a few months. That's heady. Yeah, it is. But my dad proposed to my mum after two weeks. It took them another two years to get married. But, you know, in my world, I think when you know, you know. My mum's always said to me, you know, if you find that person that you want to be with, why waste any time? If you want to be with them, be with them. Did you introduce him to your parents? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, And I can still remember my mum's reaction. Every parent wants to see their child happy. And they'd seen me have some unhappy times. So I took him to meet my parents um, and he'd bought my mum a bouquet of flowers, just something simple. And he'd bought my dad his favourite chocolate, which seemed really thoughtful, kind of guided by me because I knew that would go down well. And I remember him sitting there chatting to my dad and my mum motioned for me to go into the kitchen. (laughs) And she said to me, oh, he's lovely. Just like that. And I thought, my mum's never wrong. My mum's always been right. This is what I've learned over the years. My mum is always right and I should always listen to her. But she thought he was absolutely lovely. By this point, like I say, we were pretty much living together. 
there was he was always going to be at my place of work for a finite time because it was a contracted job once the job had ended he would was a freelancer he would work all around the country so I knew that at some point this kind of honeymoon period if you like of us being together the whole time would end when he had to go and work elsewhere so that's what he started to do so he was um freelancing he was going to different places um and so I was seeing a little bit less of him he was still in touch the whole time but still using your home as a base when he was in yeah the yeah yeah in fact I went on holiday I went to the states it was about the March time so we'd met in the January and that was March time and I left him in my house he was house sitting for me and I got back and things had changed and he like removed doors and he tried to be helpful and you know tried to make the place you know added ornaments and stuff like that but I didn't mind that I thought well he's making himself at home but yeah I trusted him enough to to leave him in my house for two weeks did he ever speak to anyone in the evening on the phone? Did you ever get the sense that he had another life outside? You know, was he emailing people? Or? He would. He was on the emails a lot and he would tell me that it was for work or he'd just have to get this invoice sent out. And I didn't think much of it because I'm not, naturally, I'm not really a suspicious person. And I don't want to be one of those people who's saying to somebody, well, who are you talking to? What are you doing now? I just don't want to be that person. So if he says that he's writing an invoice he's writing an invoice my birthday was june time and uh we'd planned a bit of a family dinner nothing fancy and i was really looking forward to it because i hadn't seen as much of him as i probably would have liked to you know we went from spending so much time together to him kind of making i I hesitate to say make excuses i didn't see them as excuses at the time but he was working he had things to do um his friend who he lived with had um in that time Uh, had a terrible accident he'd been working and he'd been crushed by a cherry picker um so my boyfriend had to go and um take care of him because they were living together and you know he had to look at adapting the house and he had to be there as a support so there was something that he'd um pulled out of there was an event that he'd pulled out of because he had to go and be with his friend which absolutely you know somebody tells you that their best friend has been in a terrible accident Mm. then you expect them to go and see them and then it was my birthday and this family meal was planned and he seemed just sort of shifty I suppose and he seemed really on edge and I said to him you know what's wrong what's wrong we're going to be going out in a few hours he said oh it's just you know work of called and they really want me to go and do a few extra hours do you mind and I said well I'm not going to tell you not to do it but I'd rather you didn't because it's my birthday and we're about to to go out and have a family meal and he went oh right okay and I was upstairs doing my makeup and the next thing I knew I heard the door shutting and I thought he's gone so he's gone he just left so that was the moment where you began to think what's going on here was it you were sitting there at your birthday meal without him people yeah. saying where is he and you yeah. couldn't really answer that yeah and I felt hurt as well and and quite full because I'd eaten a whole tub of haagen in that time because <laughs> I was quite sad about that and, and I just I suppose there was a little bit of me that felt like I'd failed again a little bit because here I was again with another boyfriend who was bailing out on me. Some of my memories are hazy, but there are really clearly defined moments. Um, and the next one came in September. It was one of my best friend's weddings. Weddings are an expensive thing for people and you never take a wedding invite for granted. Mm. She'd invited us both and we'd both accepted. And I remember saying to and he'd he'd been really flaky. He'd been pulling out of things that we were meant to to go to and I said to him look it's really important you can't give this up you know I know that work is important but so is your personal life so your friendships 
And I said to him, you absolutely can't cancel for this. So I guess it was already on my mind that he might be cancelling for something. I was sitting there and I think I'd been I'd been talking to a friend on the phone and then I looked at my phone and he'd sent me a message saying, um, I can't make your friend's wedding. Uh, I'm being sent away for work. So of course, first thing I did was call him. I was like, what do you mean? You're being sent away. It's in two weeks time. And he said, they're sending me to Angola for work. I can't get out of it. I'm the only person on my team who has the necessary documents to go. I have absolutely no option. So, you know, if you want to split up with me, you can split up with me, but I can't go. And then I had to go there and have this empty seat with a meal brought out next to me while he was off in Angola and then kind of went AWOL for the next couple of weeks after he was due back. So he told you I'm coming back at this particular time and then just didn't? It was all very sketchy. He told me that he was being sent there. They didn't know how long it would last, probably about two weeks. I was like, okay. I I mean, do you even know where Angola is on a map? I had to look it up. At that point, it was a war-torn country. That's the only thing I remember about it. It was. It just seemed that had to be real. Where? Because where would you get Angola from? You say, oh no, I've been sent to work in London, or I'm being sent yeah. to work in, you know, Paris for a bit. At the end of those two weeks, he said that the company that he was working for hadn't booked him a flight back, so he was stuck at this an airport for. Probably about, I think the email exchanges went on for about four days where he was waiting at this airport. And I do remember thinking at the time, and I remember somebody saying to me, what kind of company sends someone off and then they don't book a return flight? I was like, well, this company that he's working for, obviously. Then he said, I've managed to get a flight, but I'm going to go and see my mum first. And his mum was living in another country. Um, So he said, I couldn't get a flight back to the UK, so I'm going to go and spend some time with her and then I'll come back. And I remember thinking at the time, well, how nice that, you know, he can go and spend a bit of time with his mum. I knew that their relationship hadn't always been fantastic. So I thought it was really nice that he could go and spend a bit of time with her. But there was about a two or th- three week period where he was, it was, I was only communicating with him via emails. Um, so what would happen when you'd call him? He just wouldn't pick up. Do you know, I'm not sure I ever tried to call. Had I called, you would have had an international dialing tone. But he had said to me that this is where he was. Why would I question it? He he told me that the only means of communication would be via email. So that's how I communicated with him. What did he tell you about Angola? That the sand gets everywhere. And he spoke to he spoke to friends of mine as well. Um, and, and I mean, he came back and I remember saying to him, oh, I would have thought you'd be a bit... Because I think it was quite hot out there at the time. And I said, oh, I would have thought you'd be a bit more tanned maybe because he was olive skin. Oh, no, no, no. I was inside for the whole time. And he spoke to friends of mine as well. And they asked him, just as you would do, about working out there. And he gave quite convincing stories. When did you suspect that the truth might be different to what was being presented to you? We were getting towards Christmas. So you've been together for a year by this point? Yeah, yeah, the best part of a year. And he had promised that uh, Christmas would be spent together. He was on a job, I think it was Manchester. And then he had an accident. And he did have he he was living with a disability, and the accident that he that he had was linked to that. So basically, uh, it was kind of making his disability worse, if you like. Basically, he told me that he'd had this accident and he may never be able to walk again, and he was stuck in a hospital in Manchester. Christ. And my initial reaction was, "My God, are you okay? What's going on? How can I help? Can I come and see you? No, you can't come and see me. Um, visiting hours are really, really strict here. I mean, I googled the hospital. I was like, right, it, that's my route. I can get there. I could leave work on a Friday afternoon. I could, you know, get a hotel and, and spend some time with him and go visit. No, you can't come 
because visiting hours are, are really strict and they seem to keep moving him as well from from ward to ward and I, I would say right shall I come this weekend and he would say no no they might move me to Birmingham this weekend well I can come and see you there no I don't think that's a good idea because I just don't know what I'm going to be doing and and at that point I noticed that there was a pattern but he would be messaging me in the day and then it would get to about six or seven o'clock and everything would go quiet and I'd send a message and I wouldn't hear anything from him and then at about 10 o'clock I'd suddenly hear from him again. And I made a joke with him at that time. And I said to him, do you know, it's almost like you have a wife who comes home at seven o'clock. That's the end of her working day. She comes home and then you can't speak to me for a certain time. And then I hear from you again. And he said, I can't believe you would say that. He said, that's the time that they come around to give me my medication. So they give me my medication at six or seven and then it completely knocks me out and then I'm awake again at 10. And I felt so bad. And then we got to Christmas time and then the text came through, you're going to hate me, but I can't spend Christmas with you. And I was like, I, I almost expected it. And then that was the point where people started losing patience with him. Not so much me, I was still believing anything everything that I was told my mum once said to me if you're a naturally honest person it will never occur to you that other people are lying to you but that was the point where I think certain members of my family lost patience with this and started to grow a little bit suspicious who my brother and sister-in-law mainly my sister-in-law what did she say she just said to me are you sure are you sure about this guy and I was like well how can you question him he's had such a, a difficult life he doesn't talk to his family he lives with this disability yeah he gets on with his life but you know it's always going to be a bit of a strain and she just said I'm just I'm just not happy about it and the next thing I knew we were about two or three days before Christmas I remember it was I think it was a Friday evening and I got a phone call from my sister-in-law and she said to me it's never good when you get a phone call that begins with can you sit down (laughs) you just know nothing good is going to happen and she said we've we've spent the whole evening looking on Facebook And I said, well, you're not going to find him. He's not on Facebook. She said, no, but we found a woman who we think is his wife. And I said, well, we know. We actually knew her name. That's the thing. He'd referred to her in the past. We knew her first name. And I said, well, that's no secret. So they had uh, trawled through Facebook to find anybody with her name. Mm. But she had a name, a first name that you could have variations of it. You could shorten it. And her profile picture wasn't of her it was um of an animal so that of course that doesn't really narrow it down but they eventually found her and she said um we found pictures of their wedding and I was like again well that doesn't mean anything we know that we've always known that he's been married that he was married she said where did he tell you that he got married I said on a beach and she said well the pictures that are on Facebook it's uh, a city wedding and it's quite obviously not on a beach and that was the first time that I thought well, hang on a second why why would you say you got married on a beach mm. and then she said to me it looks like they're still together she's still got all of the wedding pictures up on Facebook and she said just go and have a look just go and have a look and and see what you think it was almost like somebody had you know like a snow globe that's what happened to my world at that point it was like somebody had picked it up and shaken it and put it back down I felt like everything it was like the world just tipped on its axis suddenly the person that you have thought you were the closest in the world to is not the person that you think they were and they had um, found just a comment that she'd posted and it was obviously about the two of them how they'd been somewhere together and I remember looking at it thinking 
well, why would you still have, if you're divorced, why would you have those wedding pictures on? And that evening I tried calling him. So it's a Friday before Christmas. He didn't pick up and I, I left voicemail saying, there's something's not right. Could you just, I just need to ease my mind here. Because I, I was still thinking, well, there's probably a perfectly reasonable explanation for all of this. So yeah, it was the next day that I heard from him. And I said, it looks like you're still married. And he denied it at first. But as as it came out, he had to admit it. Yeah, I've still got a wife. Yeah, I was living basically a double life all along. I still don't know the truth. I still don't know what was real and what was fake. Because he wouldn't give me straight answers. And I was having to almost prize the information out of him. He was still telling me at that point that he was in hospital. And so we decided to play a... Not not a little joke. I mean, it was no joking matter at this point. But just to see how far he was willing to go with this, I said, right, well, we're on our way to, to Manchester, which is where he was in hospital. And I said, oh, we're, we're 10 minutes away from the hospital. So I hadn't spoken to him for about two hours. And I said to him, we're about 10 minutes away from the hospital. My sister-in-law has driven me up just because I feel like we need a face-to-face chat. And he said, um, oh, I'm not there. And I said, where are you? He said, oh, they, they've moved me. And I said, well, where can I meet you then? You know, she's happy to drive anywhere. And he said, oh, could you meet me at such and such services? And that's when another, if you like, penny dropped because the services that he'd mentioned, we knew that that was just a stone's throw away from where he lived with his wife. So it looked... Not where you get taken to when you're hospitalised. No, no, he said that a friend had come to collect him from hospital and they were now at this surface station. This whole time, I am sitting in my bed, like surrounded by boxes of tissues because I've been crying my eyes out in my dressing gown, trying to eat a piece of toast, but playing him at his own game, really, and trying to give him a shock. And then that's when he had to come clean. I said, you're not with a friend at all. You've been with your wife and you've picked a place to meet me. And I even said to him, because I... I had once seen uh, his old address, what I thought was his old address, on an envelope that he'd had delivered. And I just, for some reason, that stuck in my head. And I said, well, I know the address, such and such drive, right? I'll, I'll come around. We'll be around the corner in a, in a minute. And then he panicked because he knew that the game was up and that I would, you know, potentially be knocking on his door and finding his wife standing there. So what did you establish? Were there any children? No children. I mean, I'm saying this now with some certainty, but I never got the whole truth. But as far as I understand, there were no children. His wife was um, 10 years older than him, which made him tw- which made her 20 years older than I was. Do you think the whole time that he was working with you and living with you, he was telling her that he was just working? Yeah. She had a job as well. She was a busy lady. Yeah, I think so. I think that he was leading a double life in in every every way my family found out bits and pieces about their life together and certain dates coincided with certain anniversaries that he would have had to have been there for or you know his wife had called him she might have been in a state about something of course he's got to run and and be there for her that's you know when when he left abruptly on my birthday I have no doubt that that was what that was for when his friend was crushed by the cherry picker well there never was a friend he didn't live with he never did rent a house off a friend he was living with his wife the whole time I mean, the friend getting... I mean, that's just such a lud... It's not a ludicrous story because, you know, freak accidents happen all the time. But to make that up is incredible. Angola was a lie. And uh, Angola was... uh, We later found out that was uh, his wedding anniversary. And he and his wife had gone to the States for it to celebrate it. And I never really found this out, but I'm guessing that the delay that came on the way back was because he couldn't very well go on holiday with her for two weeks and then just disappear off again 
He had commitments. He had to work. You must have felt like an idiot. I did. And I felt so disappointed. I, I just thought, You've how is this... You've done absolutely nothing wrong. No. But you must have just felt like that. Yeah. I just thought, how has this happened to me? There were a couple of things that made me really sad about it. One of them was that he knew that I'd come out of a difficult relationship and he knew that from the start and yet he still decided to go ahead with all of that. He had the opportunity to get out. When I said to him, do you have a wife and kids? He could have got out at that point. He could have got out at any point. I wasn't particularly clingy and and that may have been the problem was that I let him live his own life. So he was free to do as he pleased. The other thing that really upset me was that I was basically made the other woman against my will and that is never ever a position that I would ever put myself in mm. if, if I he'd knew... have said yes I've got a wife and kids you'd have yeah. said well I'm not having an affair with you exactly you know I wasn't even given the choice and I had a very odd time after I found out about him and I think it was just due to shock and my head being so badly messed up at that point that I nearly took him back and it wasn't an instant right we're finished I found out that you're lying to me I had a good three weeks where I mulled it over and my poor family and friends they must have just been thinking what on earth is she doing but I just you know I couldn't get out of my head that we'd had a future together and then suddenly all of this was snatched away from me I mean there'd probably be a case I don't know under what law but you'd probably have a legal case against him he effectively defrauded you you know he said a lot of things that weren't true shared your house earned your trust on an emotional level yes I mean mean, mean, we're not living 500 years ago but bigamy is still a pretty nasty thing to do I mean it never got to that stage but even the fact that he was talking to people about proposing to me and I mean and he was so integrated in my friendship group as well I think a lot of people were hurt by it a lot of people just couldn't understand did you tell everyone straight away I imagine if you were embarrassed it's something you didn't want to go around saying to everyone hey you never guess what this guy I've been with for a year I sometimes think that it's best to like sadly past experience has taught me that sometimes it's best just to tell people just to send a text message say just so you know (laughs) we're not together anymore just so they don't ask and then they're in that awful situation where you burst into tears on them because that's the last thing you want when you're really trying to keep it together it's the last thing that you want to do is to have somebody say oh so you know how's he doing is he out of hospital yet so I had to send messages to certain people who I knew would ask and then luckily I had the Christmas break to well I say luckily it completely wrecked my Christmas but to try and get my head around it a bit and and I would I still saw him a couple of times after that um uh he he spent New Year's Eve with me I mean I don't know what I was thinking like well you must have had a hard conversation with him you yes. know, you, you are an assertive yeah. young woman. You must I have am sat now. down and said... I don't think I was as much back then. I think I've I've really learnt life lessons in those years since then. But yeah, we did have conversations, but the story just constantly changed. I was never quite sure what was real and what was fake after that. And that wasn't just with him. I, I went through a really, what I now think of as quite a sad time where I just felt like I couldn't trust anybody because if he would lie to me... I had I had a hard time believing anything that anybody said to me. And and then there was a real defining point where I made up my mind. So I was still I can't believe I, I can't believe I was, but I was still umming and ahhing, should I be with this man? He would tell me something different about his wife every day. They were mid divorce, they were separated, he they weren't living together. But the defining point, uh, one of my friends threw a party. And he had, uh, the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend as he was now or something in between, had gone to stay with his mum for real, I think this time. I think he was telling the truth that time. So he was out of the country and I went to this party and it was almost like, uh, it sounds really cheesy, but I just felt like myself again. 
Mm. I was running around, I was being silly. It was full of people who genuinely liked me for me and cared for me. And I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing wasting my time? Like there might be the chance of happiness somewhere in the future. But if I stay with this man or if I get back together with this man, how do I know he's not going to do that to me in a year, five years, 10 years time? I mean, maybe this is easier said than done, but looked at now with your slightly more mature grown-up hat on, Mm. what's there to stop him doing it to another woman? I mean, did you think, you know, I need to give him a bollocking because otherwise someone else is going to go through this. He's going to do it again. And uh, my spies, that's my family, they kept an eye on him afterwards. like just, Just through Facebook, not in a menacing way at all, but just through Facebook, they kept an eye on him. And they discovered that he was seeing somebody else. I never contacted his wife. And a few people said to me, why didn't you speak to her? And I don't, partly because I guess I just wanted to distance myself from the whole situation. I certainly didn't want to be named in a divorce because I guess that could have happened because, you know, he was committing adultery. I didn't know that he was, but he was. Partly because I didn't want to put her through, I didn't want to put any woman through the pain that I had felt, which maybe is maybe is a bit selfish. Maybe she should have known. I know that they're not together now. But I heard from him even six months or a year after I was getting messages from him saying, you know, I'm so sorry for for what I did. Uh, Can we just meet up for a coffee so I can explain? Well, no, no, life moves on. One of the best moments that came from the whole thing was when he wrote me a very, very long letter. It was about four pages long. I've probably still got it somewhere on why we should be together and what he would offer me in the future. And at the end of it, he said, with all this in mind... I will be taking you out for Valentine's dinner. I will pick you up from your house at such and such a time. And I read that and I thought, that's never going to happen. So my original plan was just to stay in the house with all the lights off. And my brother said to me, no, you come around to me. I'll make you dinner. We'll have a nice... His wife was away. He was like, you know, we'll have a nice evening together, brother and sister, because that's not pathetic on Valentine's Day at all. So I was out of the house. Everything had completely finished by the end of January. And then this was Valentine's Day. And I I wish I had CCTV, but I guess he turned up at my house. And one of my friends got a message saying, um, I knew people hated me. I didn't realise they hated me that much, that she wouldn't even be there when I turned up. And she was like, what did you expect? Of course she's not going to go out for Valentine's dinner with you. I couldn't believe, like, the cheek of it, that he still thought that we were going to be a couple once I'd come to my senses and once I was out of that hazy time. You still work in the same place? Mm. What would you do if he showed up and had a contract here? What would you say to him? Nothing. I don't think I'd even acknowledge him because the person that I was with wasn't who he actually was. That wasn't a real person. He invented that person with all the lies. As far as I'm concerned, he would be a complete stranger. And, you know, time is a wonderful thing. And I I look back on all of this now and in a way it's become an anecdote. You know, people joke about it with me. I mean, they wouldn't have dreamt of joking about with me in the aftermath but people will joke now about elements of it um angola has become a running joke of course (laughs) but i don't mind that now to me it's something that happened and i can look on it with almost curiosity at times and every now and again it will pop into my head and i'll think oh was that a lie oh what happened there but not in a way that it hurts me anymore you're single at the moment yes has it affected your relationship since I probably should be more suspicious. I still, if I'm with somebody, I'm still with someone with my whole heart. It has made me less tolerant. So I have had a relationship since him. But it was with somebody who 
again was in a different way he was very busy and he didn't have a lot of time for me and I learned what I want from a relationship and I learned that I don't want boxes and boxes of jewellery I don't want constant gifts I want somebody's time and if they can't give me that then that's not the kind of person that I can be with and I find that now I have this thing like where the shutters come down so with my last boyfriend there was a moment where he was like oh I'm just not sure that my heart's really in this and then for me it was like bam that's it you're out then I won't speak to you again I think you can tell when something is worth fighting for and I just didn't feel in that moment that I could fight for something I think I really fought for it with the guy that I was with in 2012 I desperately wanted it to work and now I realize that there's there's nothing wrong with something not working and sometimes it's just better to be on your own than unhappy with somebody and trying desperately to make something work well you deserve someone who's going to give you their time thank you I'm sure you will find that person. But, you know, if I don't, I've got a lot of stories to tell. (laughs) It's time to chat all things orgasmic and dirty with Alex Fox in the foxhole. Hello, Alex. Hello, Ollie. How are you? Dressed for spring, like you. Oh, thanks. Do you like my new jumper that I says, love it. too sassy for you? And you are absolutely right. You are sassier than myself and producer Matt, who are the only people in your eye line presently. Sassier and spaffier. What have you been up to this week? I went to see a brilliant play at Southwark Playhouse called Diary of a Teenage Girl. I think it's an adaptation of a book, which was also adapted into a TV show. Yes, you I think I heard about it on telly, yeah. It tells the tale of a 15-year-old called Minnie, mm. who has a sexual relationship with her mum's boyfriend, who's in his 30s. And And she's um, 15. She's 15. And the play is presented through the form of her talking into a microphone. She records an audio diary. So you hear all her thoughts Mm. on what it's like to have sex for the first time. And rather than it being framed as though she sees herself being exploited, Mm. Minnie sees it as incredibly exciting that she's having this this intense fling Uh, and also the play doesn't shy away from recognizing that even though she's underage and she is being exploited she has a high sex drive she's Mm. a teenager full of hormones but obviously her mum's boyfriend ought to know better than to take advantage of that situation but yeah it raises some really interesting questions and and difficult debates but it's done really well it's exactly the same setup then isn't it as russell t davis uses in queer as folk isn't it you've got 15 year old lad there trying to lose his virginity and getting really excited when it happens but then you're looking at it from the outside going oh this feels predatory although i've spoken to a lot of gay men whose first experiences have been with older guys and I've had very tricky conversations where, from my point of view, it has sounded very much like these older men are, are preying on them. Mm. But from their point of view, they still view those young, early experiences as something that they treasure. And you don't want to uh, rebrand someone's memory as a negative mm. thing if they see it as a positive. But I find those chats really difficult to have. It's, well, I suppose it's people... tricky. I suppose people who are at that age, 15 and actually 16 and 17 as well, have different levels of maturity, which is why the age of consent is where it is, isn't it? You know, no no two 15-year-olds are alike, I guess. No, although, as you picked up on there, the law says that they are. Yes. You you can only consent from the age of 16. On to our listener question of the week. Yes. Uh, Brought to you, as ever, by our friends at mycondom.com. 
Alex, tell us about them. Well, as well as selling condoms, they sell multiple different types of cock rings, including ones with vibrators to add stimulation and ones that constrict the base of the penis slightly to help you sustain a fuller erection for longer. Hmm. I wonder if there's one that constricts and vibrates. You need to have a slightly more jelly-type texture, a more stretchy texture to most cock rings to accommodate a vibrating bullet within them. So the ones that vibrate tend to be, in general, more as a toy, whereas the ones that are harder generally tend to be more to help with erectile dysfunction or to help you help sex last longer. That's not always the case. You can spend more and have vibrating ones that also will keep you firm. Let's get on to our question of the week then. Uh, It has been submitted by an anonymous lady who says, Hi Alex, I have a WeVibe Bluetooth vibrator and given all the news about them, I'm wondering if people from the UK qualify for compensation after they collected and stored intimate information about their users. I've not heard about this story. Uh, I really don't want to use my WeVibe now and it was really expensive and when in a long-distance relationship, every penny counts. Okie dokie. First up, Mr. Man. Do you know what a Wii Vibe is? I mean, I'm going to guess it's a web-connected vibrator. Yes, it is. It's a very particular type. Okay. Uh, it's made by a company who I believe are from Canada called Standard Innovation. They make all sorts of different Wii Vibes, but the ones that are most famous are kind of shaped like they're U-shaped or horseshoe-shaped. And they're designed to be worn by a woman, so one bit goes inside of her and the other bit is on the outside and rests on her clitoris Mm -hmm. it means that it can vibrate inside and out of her at the same time Mm -hmm. and also it can be worn during intercourse oh wow so when a man enters her uh he feels the vibrations as well that's Um, less for the man to do as well that doesn't you know because if you have to use a vibrator not have to if you're choosing to use a vibrator during straight penetrative sex then the man's usually holding that thing at the same time well a woman can hold it or the woman can hold it someone's got to hold it there's a hand involved (laughs) well you can get hands-free ones as well like the WeVibe is designed to be yes Uh, but there are other models are available my point is I've not heard of a hands-free vibrator it's a hands-free vibrator but later models also came with an app that you download onto your smartphone and you can program them to uh, vibrate in certain patterns or different intensities or you can make them buzz faster or more slowly. You can also use that app remotely. So say if you are a woman wearing the WeVibe and your lover is uh, in another country, for example, on business. As appears to be the case here. Yeah. Uh, then you can get down to business using the WeVibe and the app. So the okay. idea is what you're FaceTiming or Skyping or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can Skype or, or, or you can be texting or, or however you want to play it. It's a really great innovative product. I'm just curious, is there something for the gentleman to wear at the same time then? whilst he's Not in? currently with WeVibe, although you can get other things. There's a, there's a firm called Kiru, which make uh, interactive vibrators where there's kind of a, a masturbatory cup that the guy puts mm-hmm. his schlong in and then a vibrating device for the woman that she puts inside herself and every motion that one person makes is imitated by the other person's toy and thus it's you can virtually feel each other's movements so if he's wearing the tube and she's wearing the wee vibe you're going to have so many screens going on with all these different companies It'd be like rick wakeman <laughs> dick you were going to say dick wakeman yeah, you? i had to go there <laughs> so that's what a wee vibe is yeah really well respected company up until recently 
what happened is at a conference in August last year called DEFCON, which is a hacking conference. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm sure this isn't supposed to be funny. The idea of hacking a vibrator is funny in a way that hacking baby monitors just isn't. What they discovered was that data was being collected by the WeVibe app without express user permission. But what data? Some of it was uh, really designed to check whether the hardware, whether the actual vibrator was working as it should do. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were monitoring the core temperature of it to make sure it wasn't overheating, things like that. But they were also monitoring user habits. So they were collecting uh, information on people's average uh, speed of use or how long their sex sessions lasted or if there were particular vibration patterns that were more popular than others. And Standard Innovation claimed that they were only using this data to try and improve products for the future. Mm. It was all stored in aggregate on their servers, so it wasn't connected to any particular people. You couldn't identify who was doing what. Um, But it was stored alongside some email addresses. So potentially there was, uh, could have been the potential for that data to be used in a way that would compromise people. What the people at DEFCON also discovered was that it's possible for an individual to hack somebody else's WeVibe and control it remotely themselves. Um, So in theory, Mm. you could think that you were having a sexual experience with your partner who was in another place, when in fact you were having a sexual experience with somebody else who had hacked the app. But they can't see your reaction, can they? No, but not everybody uses it with Skype. Not everyone uses Mm. it with FaceTime. Mm. So sometimes you might think your partner is using their phone to turn you on, when in fact it's a stranger. Mm. And that was likened to a form of tech sexual assault but two hold on you're only going to be wearing it at the point you think you're having sex with someone i mean i do understand the illusion don't get me wrong i understand the comparison it's a bit like someone walking in the room pretending to be your partner and it's not them but actually i mean if you are speaking to your partner at the same time and you know that they are controlling it and it's not literally their control that you're feeling. I mean, it is the same thing. Lots of people have come up with lots of different points of view on the severity of this mistake. And I'm calling it a mistake because I do think that the makers of WeVibe didn't intend to collect this data for nefarious purposes. I mean, in terms of your sexual behaviour, if you're having sex in your sitting room and you've got a Samsung smart TV, that's been recording the sounds of you having sex and uploading it to a server somewhere, hasn't it? So actually, you know, the detail of whether or not you're wearing your vibrator seems minor. And also, we give permission to God knows how many Facebook apps every week or whatnot to collect data from us. It's just people are particularly sensitive about sexual data. Okay, but our lady who's written in doesn't want to use her WeVibe anymore and she wants to know if she in the UK can qualify for compensation. Right. Since the court case, the makers of WeVibe have changed the way the app and the the WeVibe works. It no longer collects that data. You have to actively opt in if you're happy for it to do that. So you can freely still use your device without worrying that your data is going to some computer and God knows where. There's an update that's gone through to it. Yes, yeah. And everything sold from now on will have clearer security terms to it. And it's not issuing false diesel emissions either. (laughs) Just to be clear. No, but I'm not sure about anyone or their partner. Their their emissions are their business. In terms of compensation, I don't know whether anyone's claimed in the UK so far, but abroad, people have been given around the equivalent of about £6,000 per person 
if they bought a WeVibe before, I think it's the 26th of September 2016, and they used it with the app. If you didn't use it with the app, you can get the equivalent of a refund on your purchase. So if the person who's written in really doesn't want to use their device again and contact Standard Innovation, I should imagine that they will at least get their cash back for their investment. There are law firms who are taking cases from people uh, with a view of suing in this country that hasn't happened in the UK yet so I can't guarantee that they'd get loads of compensation. If you have a question of things you insert into you or want to insert into you or worry that it's not happening enough uh, <laughs> then you can get in touch for next week's show. How can people do you that? You can insert your question into the <laughs> feedback form uh, at our website which is modernman.co.uk You certainly can and remember in the meantime that if you want to buy vibrators that are both uh, web connected and not and condoms and other things use our discount code at mycondom.com to get 15% off and it is Foxhole and with that this week's modern man is very nearly at an end but I do just have time to anoint a new manbassador it's Nazanin a 28 year old from Iran who's written us a review on iTunes she says yours is one of the most informative and exciting podcasts second only to no such thing as a fish it answers all your questions right to the point no matter what that point is anatomically. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, and I hereby pronounce you Manbassador for Iran. Amazing. Uh, if you would like to be a Manbassador, just leave us a review at itunes.com slash M-A-N-N or buy us a beer at modernmanwith2ends.co.uk and click Beer Money. Our theme is by Django Django from their self-titled debut album. Just think, if every listener streamed that today, we could get it back in the charts think about that and our record of the week has already entered your ears it is called ceasefire it's by former sonic youth frontman thurston moore and it's available for free right now from thurstonmore.kungfustore.com i've been ollie mann the producer matt hill and we'll see you next tuesday So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every week. Day wherever you get your podcasts.